Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Mahador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is Friday. Guess where I am? You guys know where I am. I'm at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook, right off the Las Vegas Boulevard. Free parking, Golden Circle, inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. Great food and drink specials, live sports and horse racing betting. The bar and kiosks are open 24 hours, located right off the casino floor. Always free parking. That's a big deal. It's all fun and games at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You are in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Big show uh, ahead. We're diving, taking a deep dive into wide receiver. And again, the offensive line. Boy, I'll tell you what, the offensive line is a hot uh, for Raider fans, I answered a bunch of questions about that uh, in our weekly Q&A over at uh, Vegas Nation. We will do that again uh, at 5.30 when we do our weekly mailbag uh, here on In the Huddle. So uh, there will be offensive line talk. There will be wide receiver talk. I think, frankly, they're, fa- they're pretty much a closed shop at both positions. Uh, this is what the Raiders are going to roll with for now. Uh, we'll see if that lasts or if one way or another through minicamp or training camp, you know, the Raiders decide that uh, it's time to make another move. Uh, I think the hope is it doesn't come to that. I think they feel like the answers are in the building at both positions. Obviously, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. Um, uh, you might as well uh, throw uh, Darren Waller in there. He's quote-unquote a, a receiver. And the additions of, of Matt Collins and Demarcus Robinson uh, in, and Keelan Cole. I think the Raiders are, are comfortable uh, at that spot. We got asked... Uh, on on uh, on the Q and A and the and the weekly mailbag, need more speed. I don't know. Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think that uh, you know when you look at a guy like Devontae Adams, he's been very good uh, with the long ball over his career. And when you look at what he does yards after catch, what Hunter Renfro does yards after catch, throw Darren Waller in there as well. There's definitely ways to put pressure on the back end of a secondary without always having to do it. Uh, with the threat of the long, long ball, the 4.2, 4.3 Olympic-style type type speed. There's other ways to do that. The Raiders might not have that particular element uh, on the roster, but I don't necessarily think uh, the way it'll get schemed up by Josh McDaniels, the type of route running uh, and expertise of a Hunter Renfro and a Devontae Adams and a Darren Waller, I don't necessarily think that you have to have that element. But maybe the Raiders decide at some point, it is something that they need to uh, go get, and, and maybe that's what uh, they'll do. The offensive line, we've been talking about it all week. Uh, I do believe that Alex Leatherwood is going to get a legitimate chance uh, to start at right tackle, which is what he was drafted to do. If he can solidify that role, and I wrote about that in today's uh, Las Vegas Review Journal, if he can solidify that role and Denzel Good comes back healthy and ready to play and start at right guard, which is what the plan was last year, all of a sudden, what is or looks to be a major concern right now doesn't turn out to be a major concern. Um, there's History is on 
the side of young offensive linemen maybe struggling early on out of the gate. There's no doubt that Alex Leatherwood did. That's not unusual. Making the transition from college, even at Alabama, even being a three, almost four-year starter uh, in college, winning a national championship, uh, winning major awards, there's still sometimes a, um, a learning curve. There always is a learning curve. Some guys, it, it comes together a little quicker than other guys. For Alex Leatherwood, I mean, this is a guy who played, what, four games last year at right tackle uh, before circumstance had to force him uh, and the Raiders to move him uh, over to right guard uh, to fill a major hole there. I mean, there, he didn't even get a chance to really play last season at the, at the position that he was drafted at because circumstance dictated otherwise. Um, so who knows what he would have looked like at right tackle at the end of the line last year. Um, maybe he plays much better than he did at right guard. Maybe he just looked a lot better, especially with a veteran like um, you know Denzel Good alongside him all year. Things could have looked a whole lot different than what they appear to look like right now. But the bottom line is I think the Raiders feel like somebody like Alex Leatherwood, uh, Andre James, getting a healthy uh, Denzel Good back. We'll see what happens at left guard. Maybe Dylan Parham uh, and John uh, Simpson wage a, uh, a battle, a training camp battle for that job. We'll see, the best man will win it. Uh, Colton Miller at, at left tackle. Maybe there is the makings of a good enough offensive line uh, this year. And if that's the case, it really has a chance to take this offense from where it is and where I think it could be even with the not-so-good offensive line. Remember, even last year when the Raiders were struggling along the offensive line after the injuries to Richie Incognito and Denzel Good, it's not like the offense – was bad by any stretch of the imagination. They were doing some nice things offensively, some really good things offensively. It really wasn't until some of the weapons, Henry Ruggs and uh, later uh, Darren Waller being lost to injury, it wasn't until then that it really, you know, the offense kind of took a step backwards. Uh, so if they can get some improvement on the offensive line, if they can stay healthy with guys like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, et cetera, et cetera, Devontae Adams, this offense to me has a chance to be pretty special. Before we get to everything that we're going to get to, and we will uh, also be bringing in Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, uh, our old friend, uh, used to cover the Raiders for the Review Journal. I've known him for years. Uh, he'll, he'll join us in the huddle at 4.30. But before we get to all that, uh, this half of In the Huddle is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas, they offer genuine relief from even the most persistent forms of pain and come on who among us whether it's us individually or a family member or uh, a classmate a work you know somebody that you work with whatever your grandfather your aunt your uncle we all know somebody if it isn't us we all know someone that's dealing with pain and we all kind of get sucked into that whole well we're getting older i'm getting older uh this is just what you have to deal with it, you, you, pain starts uh creeping into your life and and maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, that was the case. Uh, but there's more answers out there than you probably think. And I know the Neuropathy and Pain Center has a lot of those answers. Uh, so if you, if you or anyone you know is living in pain, please give them a call at 702-257-7246. Book an appointment today or go online to book an appointment uh, and find out how you can live as pain-free a life as possible. Uh, Damon Cotton, question for you. 
And this is the question that I want to throw out to Raider Nation, especially as it relates to the wide receivers. Uh, want to give you give us a call at 702-365-9200. Demon Cotton, do you think the Raiders are good to go at wide receiver, or is there anything that you think they should do before, let's say, training camp? Uh, there's there's obviously concern on who is going to be that other outside receiver, but I don't think that it matters that much when it comes to actually getting targets. Because if no, if this team can stay healthy, who that second option is on the outside alongside Devontae Adams, I don't think it will matter because you do have Renfro, Adams, and Waller, and then Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs are two good receiving backs as well. Yeah, and um, you know, I think if you look at the uh, the Patriots, and and we have to look at the Patriots as some sort of uh, a reference point because that's the offense that Josh McDaniels uh, created and uh, you know was was the coordinator of and called the plays for. And there were many times when you look at the, the their history where they didn't necessarily have like three wide receivers on the field. A lot of times it was two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end, or maybe. Uh, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a running back. So there's definitely ways uh, that they've gotten it done that didn't always mean having to have three wide receivers uh, out there. I think you're going to consistently, obviously, see Hunter Renfro. You're going to see Devontae Adams uh, as the two primary wide receivers. They'll mix in Keelan Cole. They'll mix in Max Hollins. They'll mix in Demarcus Robinson, um, you know, situationally. Uh, and then also, you know, you've got Darren Waller at tight end. And, and, and Devon, uh, we haven't really been talking much this offseason about Foster Moreau. Uh, and I think that the way Josh McDaniels creates his offense, I think there's definitely room for another tight end to also flourish. Um, as we sit here today, do you have expectations for Foster Moreau maybe taking a little bit of a step forward? Not a step forward. I do expect him to be involved more. But are his numbers going to increase? Yes, because that's going to come with being on the field more. But I don't think that he's just going to be that much more better of a player than we saw him be last season. Well, but I guess what I'm saying is production-wise, maybe not him necessarily being a better player because I think he's a pretty good player. But the numbers, do you think that there's a chance that his numbers, just in terms of how he's being used and what's being designed for him, uh, that the ball will find 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 the way to Foster Moreau a little bit more? Okay, I just pulled up Foster Moreau's numbers. Yep. Last season, he had 30 receptions, 373 yards, and three touchdowns. So do I think that maybe he can bump up those numbers 45 a little? 45, maybe? Uh, 45, I feel like that's a little too high as well. So maybe 40 receptions, maybe five touchdowns. They all, I, th- I do believe that the red zone offense will be a little bit better. And a part of that may be maybe a couple of tight end packages deep in the red, in, in the red zone, and maybe that could lead to some touchdowns for Foster Moreau. So maybe 40 receptions, five touchdowns. Yeah, and that would be oh, you know, a nice, a nice little uh, increase, you know, for Foster Moreau, and obviously probably benefit uh, this offense. I'm also curious, uh, you know, and, and I and I want the uh, the listeners' thoughts on this at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. You know, we've heard a lot about um, how the Patriots have used their slot wide receivers uh, in the past, the Wes Walkers and the Julia, Julian Edelmans of the world. Um, well, you know, here's Hunter Renfro who kind of profiles. Uh, in somewhat uh, like those two, I don't, I'm not so sure that he's got like a the, the kind of speed that that they both had. But in terms of creating separation, uh, being able to uh, make things happen when the ball is in his hands, being responsible, being where he needs to be, and just being a weapon, I, I really feel like Hunter Renfro. Uh, when you cut 
through all of it. He's just a really good football player, and and that shows in all the little things that he does well, including when the ball gets in his hands. And uh, I'm curious, and Devon, I want your thoughts on this. The way he's going to get used, is there any sort of, huh, you know, like how, how different is it going to look the way Hunter Renfro uh, gets, gets used next year? Well, we, that's, that's going to be so intriguing because we haven't seen anything yet from this new regime, so we can only speculate. But when we had Tim Brown on earlier in the offseason, he did mention that he thinks that Hunter Renfro is going to be better this coming season, but those numbers are going to drop because he's not going to be asked to do as much. But when he is utilizing his offense, it is going to be in those crucial, the third downs, third and Renfro is still going to be his nickname, but he's not going to be called on upon as much. Yeah, and we'll see. And maybe there's different ways of getting in the, getting him the ball. Maybe it's not just throwing it to him, too. Maybe it's uh, some fly sweeps or uh, some different ways where they where they can uh, utilize him. I'm I'm really curious about that. And by the way, I'm going to see their uh, uh, Hunter Renfro tomorrow uh, out in Bakersfield. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, fans, if you want to go, uh, it's Bakersfield tomorrow. It's the um, summer kickoff, Raider Nation summer kickoff, and uh, before the show's over, I'll get all the information out. But Hunter's going to be there, and, you know, I, I might be asking him what, what, how it looks. Uh, does it look any different uh, to him uh, out on the practice field right now? I know he's not going to give me all, all the secrets, but I'll try, to, uh, I'll try to twist his arm to see if we can get some information uh, on what it looks like uh, for him. But, yeah, you know, I, I did get asked some questions about wide receiver, and I think that fans are – you know, where does the Henry Run, uh, Henry Ruggs um, and Zay Jones element, both of those guys were, were speed guys. And uh, I know that that's been a staple of, of the Raiders' attack. It's something that, you know, Mark Davis, the owner, let's face it, uh, in at jo- Josh McDaniel's introductory press conference, he kind of nudged him and uh, talked about being explosive. Uh, and we all understand that's part of the Raiders' heritage. And here's my thing. I, I still think that the Raiders are going to be – um, explosive. It might not be chucking it down the field, down to Henry or whoever else it would have been down there. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Zay Jones, 50 yards in the air. But when you look at guys like uh, Devontae Adams, what he's able to do on those 25, 30-yard uh, routes uh, where he then makes something happen and takes it the extra, you know, uh, X amount of yards – when the ball is in his hands, uh, I think that's a way you can be explosive. It doesn't always have to be the 75-yard touchdown. That would be great um, if the Raiders can get uh, some of those type plays, and I would imagine uh, that, that they will. There's going to be room for that uh, in this offense, and I know Derek Carr likes to uh, take advantage of, of his shots uh, downfield, uh, and when it's there, he's going to take advantage of it. But, man, when you've got um, Devontae Adams, when you've got Hunter Renfro, when you've got Darren Waller, and you know just getting the ball to them accurately and on time and in space, and all of a sudden they're off to the races, whether it was a, a, a 20-yard slant or a 30-yard post or whatever the, the call was, just let them do their thing. I think so much of this offense this year is going to be Derek Carr getting the ball to playmakers and those playmakers doing their thing. And when you talk about I mean, I'm looking at uh, the names that we've been talking about, and you've you got to throw in Josh Jacobs as well in the run game and Kenyon Drake, whether it's the run game or the pass game. Um, when you start talking about all the weapons that the Raiders have right now, there's just an opportunity to do some really spectacular things. No, there's not a Tyreek Hill. 
Uh, but Devontae Adams, in his own way, in his own way, is just as productive and just as impactful as a Tyreek Hill was. So when you look at what Devontae Adams is going to mean to Darren Waller, what Darren Waller is going to mean to Devontae Adams, and what both of those players are going to mean to Hunter Renfro, and what Hunter Renfro means to those players and everybody else, it's just a plethora of options that Josh McDaniels is going to have uh, to call up and dial up. And also for somebody like Derek Carr, uh, who sees the field as good as any quarterback in the league and makes right decisions and gets the ball out quickly, um, it's just going to be able to put so much pressure on a defense. Again, it might not be the 65-yard touchdown pass where the ball is soaring through the air and it lands in you know somebody's hands and they take it the next you know 20 yards for the touchdown. You might see that every once in a while. You probably will see it every once in a while. But I don't think it's going to be what the Raiders um, – what is all predicated on. I think it's going to be getting these, the ball uh, to these guys in space, uh, getting the ball in, in situations where guys can, can take advantage of the yards after catch uh, talent and, um, and, and, and working it that way. And I think that if they work that way correctly, there's plenty enough talent on the wide receiver, uh, in the wide receiver room right now for that to happen. A lot of it, a lot of it will also, of course, uh, rely on that offensive line, and we've been talking uh, all about it, and what the best five is going to look like. I mean, if I were to draw it up right now, uh, I'm thinking Colton Miller at left tackle, Dylan Parham, uh, or um, John Simpson at left guard. Maybe Dylan Parham has the um, has the uh, the ins- or not the inside track, but has an opportunity to, uh, to 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 win that job. Andre James at center. Denzel Good at right guard, and and uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. I just have an inkling that that's how it's all going to work out. Now, um, the fact of the matter is it's going to uh, be won, lost, earned accordingly, and that's what this next month is all about as the Raiders kind of phase into phase three of the offseason program. We're finally going to get a look uh, at, at what it looks like uh, next week. I think next Friday we're going to be out there, uh, you know, uh, getting a chance to look at them. Uh, in practice, and then further on, and further on uh, as they as they you know move on through through uh, through the phase three uh, phase of of the program, and then culminating right now anyway uh, with the uh, June seventh through ninth uh, mandatory minicamp. I think the Raiders will will keep the minicamp uh, intact, but you know what? Sometimes coaches, and I've been around uh, you know teams that have done this. If they put in the work, if the team you know uh, puts the work in throughout you know, all phases of the off-season program and there's good attendance and, and everyone's feeling good about things, sometimes, you know, they just go ahead and cancel it as a reward for all the hard work. I, and I don't think that, that the Raiders keeping the mandatory minicamp intact this year will be any kind of a result of guys who aren't working hard. I think if they do it, it's just a sign that, look, it's a new staff. It's a new offensive system. It's a new defensive system. It's a bunch of new players. Uh, whether you're talking about free agency or, or the draft, a lot has to get done. There's a lot of work ahead in getting um, the foundation set for a new defense, a new offense, a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator, heck, a new special teams uh, coordinator. There's a lot of work, um, and this is a very, very important time of year. And so if the Raiders follow through with minicamp, I don't think it's going to be because – uh, there was a lack of hard work. I just think that they know that there's a lot of work that uh, needs to be done. By the way, and um, you know, later on in training camp, this is going to be so cool. You know, the Raiders play the uh, Patriots to uh, to finish off 
uh, the preseason. It's the, uh, their fourth preseason game, the last preseason game um, you know, on their schedule. And it's against the New England Patriots over at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Well, the Patriots are coming, you guys. They're going to practice against the Raiders uh, that week leading up to the game. I want to say that game is on a Saturday. So there will be a, uh, a joint practice going on with the Patriots uh, and the Raiders. Kind of interesting because these two teams play each other again uh, in December here at Allegiant Stadium. So, um, But at the same time, I mean, it's almost like, let's face it, Kind of like an inter-squad uh, scrimmage between, uh, you know, with, with the Patriots, off, you know, the assistant coaches from, from the Patriots, including Josh McDaniels, now the head coach here, Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, uh, Mick Lombardi, the defensive co- or the offensive uh, coordinator. You've got Patrick Graham, the Raiders' defensive coordinator, who used to coach with the Patriots. There's a lot of uh, familiarity there as it is. So what secrets are really going to be revealed uh, in, these, in these joint practices? And by the way, uh, we're talking about late August. By the time they face each other again, it'll be in December, I think it is. Um, and so, you know, so much will have changed uh, by then. So I don't think there's any big worry about giving away too many secrets. By the time the Raiders play the Patriots this season, there will be uh, multiple books on the Raiders, multiple books on the Patriots, on what it is they're doing and how they're doing it and, and who they got to stop and what they got to focus on. Uh, so I don't think having a couple of practices uh, that time of year in the summer is going to be too detrimental to either side. But I'm really curious uh, to watch. To be honest with you, I've never seen a Bill Belichick practice. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like, you know, from his perspective and his team's perspective uh, and how it kind of combines uh, with, the, with the Raiders. I would think also... You're probably not going to see uh, the shenanigans that we saw last year um, <laughs> with the Raiders and Rams. That was that. Th- those were two intense days uh, in Thousand Oaks. And I think it actually kind of set a tone for the Raiders because what I what, what I will say about the, those two days in Thousand Oaks, you know, the Raiders came to compete in those practices. It showed me something about that team. And when I say compete, they're ready to throw fists as well. Do you advocate that? Do you like that? No, it's you know. It can become a pain in the neck. You're not getting the work done because you're always stopping to stop guys from fighting, and the focus gets you know uh, gets off kilter a little bit. But what I did like, and I remember writing about that uh, at the time and talking about it, talking about it on the show, there was a spirit about the Raiders last year, and they went right into Thousand Oaks uh, and took it to the Rams, who eventually won the Super Bowl championship. There was no backing down. Uh, whatsoever. Those were uh, those were a fun couple of days uh, in Thousand Oaks. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. That is right. We are live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Uh, we've got uh, golf. We've got Major League Baseball. Sure, we got the NBA coming on uh, at some point. Uh, there's great drinks. There's great food. Uh, we've got some entertainment here uh, right in front of us. Uh, there's somebody playing, what is it, the Game King multi-game. And um, I'm not quite sure what this um, slot machine did to this guy. But um, he's taken a beating He's given this thing a beating to try to uh, get it to give up some money or cough up some money, and it's 
Uh, it's kind of throwing me off a little bit because uh, he's really getting after it. So uh, I don't know. We may have to call security. But, hey, as long as he's having fun uh, and it's only the slot machine uh, that, he's, uh, that he's damaging, uh, all good. But it is quite uh, the scene. You never know what you're going to run into uh, sometimes uh, at a casino. But here we are at uh, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Uh, the Dodgers are playing the Phillies. We've got golf. Um, there's a, a lot of uh, great food, great drinks, uh, specials. So uh, you know how they roll here uh, at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, right off the casino floor at the Treasure Island Hotel. We're talking wide receiver. We're talking about offensive line. We're going to get into uh, both of those subjects during our um, uh, weekly mailbag uh, at 5:30. But um, you know, I think I, I sense that Raider fans and uh, Raider Nation are kind of turning the corner on um, kind of understanding like the work is done. You know, the uh, the, ro- the, the the roster work has been done. Uh, the way it's kind of been described to me, it's time to find out what the heck we got. Uh, and the only way you find that out is uh, getting out on the grass and, and, and getting it figured out. Uh, and that's the process that the Raiders are, are undergoing right now. It's going to intensify here. Uh, over these next three weeks or so, culminating um, with the minicamp uh, June 7th through the 9th. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to say that games are going to be won or lost by what happens over this next month, but a team is getting built right now. Uh, and f- covering football the way I have, uh, you know, uh, from, the NFL's, from the NFL's perspective, uh, there's just stages to that building process, and this is one of the stages, uh, and it's a, it's a very important one because it really does set the stage for what's going to happen uh, later on in July when training camp opens. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of the shows, a good friend of mine. I uh, met Miles Simmons, uh, what was it, about 2015, I think, uh, covering some Ram games in St. Louis, and then obviously... The Rams uh, moved back to Los Angeles from St. Louis. Miles came with them uh, to cover the Rams, and he covered the Raiders for a little while with the Las Vegas Review Journal. And now he is with Pro Football Talk. Miles Simmons, thank you so much for spending some time with uh, time with us in the huddle, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Wow, Vinny, what an intro that was, man! I gotta, I gotta get you to do all my intros when I do radio hits. That hey, was awesome. I come cheap too. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so, so, so I'm there, and uh, it was so funny. And not going to get into all the details because uh, getting political and stuff these days uh, can uh, can lead to a, a one way street. But the reason I even reached out to Miles this morning was because of a tweet that he put out. Uh, that had to do about something that uh, touched a nerve with me uh, in a way that I agree with Miles. So, you know, I, 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 I texted him uh, some support, like, hey, I saw your uh, tweet, you know, go, uh, g- good job, you know, and we got to talking a little bit. I said, hey, by the way, why don't you join us uh, in the show in the huddle? And he was kind enough to do so. How are you doing, Miles? I'm doing well, man. You know, it's funny that today of all days, I guess it's just a gloomy uh, day here by the beach in Los Angeles, but, you know, there are worse places to be. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you don't have to give me an exact address, but where is Mr. Simmons living these days in Los Angeles? I, I am in Santa Monica, so I am very close to the beach. I am walking distance. And man, I'll tell you, it beats living in the valley like I did, as you were referencing there in those days where I was covering the Rams and going out to Thousand Oaks every day. So it's yes. a pretty good deal. <laughs> There's no doubt that Santa Monica is one of the great places uh, on the face of Earth. There's so many great restaurants, so Amen. many great things to do. Um, and you, you just you don't have enough time to really delve into uh, all of it, but it, it truly is 
a great place. And, and, uh, and, and Miles, I wanted to bring you on um, today to talk about a number of different subjects, but specifically as it relates to the Raiders. Um, you know, they're a national team. They're, every team in the NFL is to some extent, but truly uh, with Raiders and, and, and Raiders Nation, uh, you know, they, they definitely ring a bell, and it's a loud one. Uh, over at Pro Football Talk, what's, what's, the, what's the perception right now of the Raiders uh, as they get prepared, uh, as everyone else does, to, uh, to finish up the offseason program and head to training camp? Yeah, that's a good question, Vinny. And I think that I might be a little higher on the Raiders than some people, and that's perhaps because I was so close to it just a couple years ago covering the team every day. But th- the problem with that division is that every team is going to be good. right? Every team has a very good quarterback. I think we can say safely that all of those guys are, like, at the very least, top 15 quarterbacks, right? And, and frankly, I think we could rank all of them in the top 10, depending on who you are and what you want at a quarterback. So that's what's going to make that division tough. And I think that whoever wins that division is only going to have, like, 11 or 12 wins because it's going to be like, you know, a, a wolf pack eating its young. I don't yes. even know if that's a thing that really happens, but right? Like, but that's what it's going to be whenever you have – six matchups against teams that are this good you're, you're just not there's not one team i don't think that's going to be able to go like five and one or six and oh in the division i just don't think it's going to happen so with all that said like i think that the raiders are still one of the top teams in the afc especially now when you add somebody like Devonte adams right i mean that's going to help the passing game inherently especially when you already have guys like hunter renfro right like darren waller that's great you know, you add somebody like Chandler Jones, who has such familiarity with Patrick Graham on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think that's a great move. And you extend Max Crosby and all those things. I, 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 like I said, I'm pretty high on the Raiders. And so I, I think that you know, last year wasn't really a fluke. I mean, whenever you go through all the things that you go through as a team, as they did, and you're still able to not just make it to the playoffs, but be a really competitive team against what turned out to be the AFC champs, like, there's reason to believe that this thing can grow from that. I agree. Um, and when you when you look at the AFC West, and it's so fascinating to me how that's all going to play out. But um, I mean, could you see three teams making the playoffs from this division? And, and dare we say, possibly, maybe four? Is it is it is it in the realm of possibility? I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility because, like I said, you have three excuse me four quarterbacks that are so good there, right? I mean, I think realistically it's probably more like three right but and it could be even two like i said i mean you guys they're going to cannibalize each other right so that's one thing but i don't see it out of the realm of possibility i mean things change now Vinny, that when you've got seven teams from each conference going into the playoffs and frankly i don't know that we should have seven teams from each conference going to the playoffs but that's a discussion for a different day but when you have that like that really does open up the possibilities for a lot of teams to sneak their way into the postseason, and then who knows what happens from there. So, I mean, I, th- there are other really good teams, though, in the AFC, right? I mean, you look at the AFC North, and depending on what happens with the Deshaun Watson suspension, there are three teams in that division, too, where you're like, mm, yeah, any one of those teams can win the division. And frankly, you know, with the way Mike Tomlin has coached the Steelers over the last, you know, however many years, you can't always count them out either. Uh, the, the AFC South has gotten better, too. I don't know how good Jacksonville's going to be, but I think the Colts are going to be pretty darn good. The Titans right. have been pretty good under Mike Vrabel, so that's another two teams where you're like, eh, I don't know. You look at the AFC East, the Patriots, I think, are always going to be in the mix. The Bills are one of the best teams in football. Miami's made improvements. 
The Jets have ostensibly made improvements. So, like I said, it's not as a realm of possibility, but the AFC is pretty stacked right now, so it's going to be tough. To your point, uh, somebody uh, DM'd me on, on Twitter a couple of days ago with this, with this scenario. Listen to this one. Even if the okay. Raiders go 1-5 and five in their division and lose to the Rams and Titans, both teams are on uh, the Raiders' schedule, if they beat mm-hmm. the Pats, Saints, Seahawks, Steelers, 49ers, Cardinals, Texans, Jags, and Colts, they'll have won 10 games. So, I mean, there's, there's ways, <laughs> even, if you take, if you, even if you just lay an egg in the division, there's still definitely a path. And probably because there is 17 games now, it gives you a little bit of wiggle room to still find your way to where you want to go to. I'm sure the Raiders don't want to even deal with that scenario going one and five in their division. But, I mean, you, you, can, you can lay an egg in your division and go take care of everybody else and maybe put yourself in a pretty good position to make the playoffs. Yeah, you can. And I think you're right. When you, you add that 17th game along with the seventh playoff seed in each conference, right. it does add to possibilities of what could come of anything right i mean it's it's weird I mean, we only have one year of data with the 17 game season right we only have two years of data with seven playoff teams in each conference so i mean there's just there's a lot we don't know obviously at this point but i like i said i mean i don't think that that means you know, even if the raiders don't do as well in the division as they would hope that they're going to be completely out of it i i totally actually agree with that person that sent you that dm we're talking to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. You can follow him, and I suggest you do, uh, at Miles A. Uh, Simmons. Uh, all right, um, st- sticking with the AFC West real quick, uh, and I've asked everybody that comes on the show this question. How much of a loss was Tyreek Hill to the Chiefs? I, I think it was a huge loss, but I don't think it's as big of a loss as Devontae Adams was for the Packers, True. if that makes sense. I, I, because I, like, Tyreek Hill is special. And, like, there was something, some clip of some football show the other day that I saw that was, like, the concerns about Tyreek Hill's fit and the Miami Dolphins' offense overblown. I'm like, what in the world? Who, whose offense doesn't Tyreek Hill fit in? Right, if, right. If, if Tyreek Hill doesn't fit in your offense, there's something wrong with you. There's not something wrong with Tyreek Hill. That's how special he is. Yes. I mean, you talk about not just the speed, but his vertical ability. I mean, you think of all the big catches that he's made in the postseason over the last few years. It's not just him doing the catch and run thing. It's him elevating, getting vertical. He's not the tallest guy, but that's one of the things that he can really do. So we don't necessarily know how good Tua Tungvaluwa is, right? True. You know, some of those passes might not necessarily be the most accurate, but when you have somebody who is as good as Tyreek Hill, that helps you in Miami. Now, to actually answer your question, like, I, I – have faith in Andy Reid that he's going to be able to craft an offensive system that works very, very well for Patrick Mahomes. And we're talking about one of the best offensive coaches of all time. And Andy Reid has earned that benefit of the doubt, I feel like. But it's not like it's an insignificant thing when you take a special player who has such a good rapport with the QB and you delete him from your team. Like I, Even if you, know, you can sign Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS and draft guys, and that's great. But that is, those guys aren't Tyreek Hill. So it's going to be more interesting to see, I guess, how they're going to distribute passes. Excuse me, um, Travis Kelsey, he's still going to get his. Yes, I, I think that also, that also lessens the blow of having to give up somebody like Tyreek Hill when you still have one of the best tight ends in the league in Travis Kelsey. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be an adjustment to see what they do without somebody who is that elite wide receiver. 
Without question. Miles Simmons, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're going to do a couple of hopscotches around the NFL, and I want you to tell me who the quarterback will be by week seven. Week seven by the team of the teams that I'm about to mention, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> uh, Drew Locke. Okay. All right. San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance. Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett. I think he'll be there week one. Oh, really? All right. Uh, I need you to elaborate. I don't have much faith in Mitch. Faith in Mitchell Trubisky, and it's a shame because I'm a Cleveland guy. He's a Cleveland guy, but they didn't draft Kenny Pickett. You know, with all the information that they have on him, having you know, literally the the pit facility is in the same building as the Pittsburgh Steelers facility. They know that guy, and if they didn't think he could come in and make an impact right away, I don't think they would have drafted him. All right. So where does Baker Mayfield end up? That's a great question. I mean, I, I tend to think that if Seattle or Carolina really wanted him, they would have, they would have gotten him already. Right, right. I, we can, you, you can say, like, oh, they want the Browns to pay more of the salary. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, it's $18.8 million. Not that, in the grand yes. scheme, Right, yeah. In the grand scheme of the salary cap, it's really not all that much, especially if you think he's a starting quarterback. So I think it really says a lot about what these teams think of Baker Mayfield the fact that he's still on the Cleveland Browns roster. I think about what the Colts did. You know, after Baker Mayfield becomes available because the Browns acquired Sean Watson, over that weekend they go and instead they get Matt Ryan, a guy who was on, like, the back, let's call it three or four of his career, right? Instead of somebody who was the number one overall pick just a few years ago. I think that probably says more about Baker Mayfield than anything else. And so if, like I said, if, I don't know what's going to happen with Mayfield. He may just have to languish on the Browns roster the entire season. I don't really know. But it, it, like I said, if, if Seattle or Carolina really wanted him, I think they would have gotten him. Jimmy Garoppolo, where does Jimmy G end up? Um, what did I say? What did I say with Baker Mayfield? Did I say because <laughs> I can't give them both to Carolina. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> if you're Carolina, who would you rather have? Jimmy G, right? Oh, I, I, if I'm that rule and I'm thinking I might be coaching for my, fo- my football future, at least in the NFL, I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. Right. But if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know if I want to go there. And if I'm the 49ers, I kind of want to do at least a little bit right by Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it makes more sense for Garoppolo to end up in some place like Atlanta. I mean, like, I'm, with all due respect to Marcus Mariota, I don't really have much faith there either. And there's a reason why Ritter didn't go you know, in the draft until when he did. So that's, right. that's one place that sort of makes sense to me for, you know, either Baker Mayfield or um, Garoppolo. Miles, uh, speaking of quarterbacks uh, and going to your hometown, uh, your beloved Cleveland, uh, Ohio, um, you know, we're starting to hear some news about Deshaun Watson. Uh, the NFL is now, um, it seems like, maybe headed toward an, uh, you know, an, a, an end game, at least with their investigation. Um, the Browns went out and got Deshaun Watson, uh, probably unknown on what actual uh, suspensions might be coming, what penalties might be coming, so they're kind of flying blind a little bit. They went out and got Jacoby Brissett uh, as insurance for any sort of penalty. Are we any clearer or closer uh, to a resolution in terms of what Deshaun Watson might actually be facing um, from a, uh, a penalty perspective from the NFL? 
I think we're a little bit closer only because this week Deshaun Watson went and met with the NFL. And my, I don't know, gut feeling and sense is that they wouldn't be meeting with him unless they felt like they were nearing a kind of decision, at least an initial suspension. And frankly, just because they suspend him now doesn't mean that they're not going to suspend him again. Right? This isn't a court of law. It's not like there's double jeopardy or whatever you want to call it. Right? So the NFL has a lot of leeway in what they can do and how exactly they want to exercise a penalty for Deshaun Watson sensibly violating the personal conduct policy. So I think that, you know, this is the time of year where if you want some bad news to come out, leak it on Friday before holiday weekend, right? Memorial Day is coming up next week, this might be a time to do it. Or maybe they wait until after OTAs and after the mini camp, and then it's like last year where it's on the 4th of July weekend um, where the Washington Commander's summary of the investigation that really was not very thorough got released right before the 4th of July when they think kind of nobody's paying attention. That, that could be another place where a Deshaun Watson news dump happens. Okay, last question then. Um, when, okay, if a suspension happens, all right, and I think that it's more when than if, but regardless, uh, if a suspension happens, um, at some point the NFL is probably going to have to sort of explain and put it out there. This is why we're suspending him. It's not just because he got caught up in this. This is what we found. Um, and those details might not look really good when you read them. And we already know that there's been some pushback, whether it's in Cleveland or across the NFL, just fans in general, people in general, that are like, why would the Cleveland Browns go out and trade for somebody with this hanging over his head and then pay him the money that they did? And then, oh, by the way, we get a chance now to see what exactly happened or some extent of what happened. How damaging could that be for, for the Cleveland Browns and for Deshaun Watson when, when we finally get a better sense of what actually did happen? Well, I don't know, and that's not a very good radio answer, but I'd say this. The Browns are betting that people are going to eventually be okay with whatever comes out of the Deshaun Watson investigation, whatever comes out of these lawsuits. Right. This was not a trade that they made for 2022. This was a trade that they made for realistically, let's call it 2023, to you know, maybe 2030. Right? And this is still a, a young, elite quarterback on the field. And the bet is that no matter what comes out of these investigations, no matter what penalty gets handed down, Browns fans, at least, are going to be okay with Deshaun Watson being that team's quarterback in the long run. We'll see if they, if they cash in on that bet. I, I don't know if they will. I don't know if they should. But that's at least the, the equation that the Browns have worked out, you know, internally. And, you know, that's why they went and they did it. Absolutely. And for, for a, a not-so-good radio answer, that was a heck of an answer, Miles. So, uh, <laughs> so, so good for you. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I know it's May Gray right now uh, in Los Angeles and Southern California, and June gloom is coming. But guess what? Yeah. You still live in one of the greatest places on the face of the earth. So uh, enjoy it as much as possible. Miles, thank you so much, man. Of course, Vinny, anytime. All right. That's Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Uh, basking in the May gray and gloom of uh, Santa Monica, California. It actually gets like that this time of year. It's crazy with the marine layer, but uh, Santa Monica, need you need to say 
no more. That is the place to be. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks again to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Always uh, a fun time catching up with Miles. Uh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys have been uh, paying attention, but... And the realty uh, market here in Las Vegas and really everywhere, but Las Vegas specifically, is just heating up. And it just continues to get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And, you know, uh, whether you're buying or selling a home uh, here in Vegas, it could be a little bit daunting. It could be a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, uh, I guess, is the best way to, uh, to put, put it uh, mildly, to say the least, with all the prices and how things are going. Uh, but whether it is your time to buy or sell a home, uh, the Realty One Group here in Las Vegas uh, has got you covered. Uh, yeah, the housing market's hectic. We just talked about that. Uh, but it's still a great time if you're looking to either buy the house of your dreams or sell a home and then go buy uh, the next house of your dreams. Whatever the case is, uh, Realty One Group has got you covered. And the fact is, to do either... You're going to need somebody that knows the landscape, that knows the business, and that's what Realty One Group uh, is all about. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. Uh, they know all the transactions. They know that they can get it done for you. Uh, the Realty One Group was founded here in Las Vegas. They are a great part of the community. Uh, they donate their time and, and efforts to local uh, charities and, and the community, so they've got everybody's back, uh, and they want it to work out for you whether you are buying or selling a home. And if you are, please give them a call, the Realty One Group, uh, over at 888-461-0101. Get started, uh, get the ball rolling uh, on buying that house or your dreams or selling the house uh, and go and find another better place to live uh, here in this great market uh, here in Las Vegas, the Realty One Group, 888-461-0101. Zero one zero one. Uh, we're talking uh, as we have really all week, and there's a, a, a lot of reaction to the story that I wrote today over at the Review Journal. Uh, you could be- download our app, Vegas Nation, or just go to VegasNation.com to check out all our stuff. But I wrote a story that kind of uh, set the stage, or, or you know, what's going on right now with the offensive line. I think the Raiders are pretty much a closed business right now at offensive uh, at the offensive line. I think they feel like um, the answers are within the building right now. And that includes, obviously, and a big part of it, getting Denzel Good back healthy. That was a huge loss last year, a huge loss last year. Drafting Dylan Parham, um, you know, uh, and, and throwing him into the mix. Thayer Munford, uh, the seventh-round pick from Ohio State, is now going to compete um, you know, for a roster spot, maybe the swing tackle position, maybe uh, solidifying and strengthening um, the depth of this team. But I really do believe that uh, a lot of the answer, a lot of the improvement lies in guys just getting better. And we, we, we've, we, we've talked about this so much this week about at a position that really could ill afford any turmoil, any you know massive injuries, uh, any hiccups. It was the offensive line last year. We keep reiterating this point, but they traded Trent Brown. They traded Rodney Hudson. They traded Gabe Jackson, three of the veteran offensive linemen that they had. 
last March, March of 2021, to go free up money to go make improvements elsewhere. Was it a gamble? Of course it was a gamble. I mean, Rodney Hudson at the time was still one of the better centers in the NFL. Gabe Jackson was one of the better guards in the NFL. They were stalwarts on this team. Trent Brown, for when he was out on the field, was a, was a good productive right tackle. But they moved away from those veterans, tried to get younger, and of course more cost-effective. But then lo and behold, losing the two veterans that they probably could ill afford to lose most outside of uh, Colton Miller, Denzel Good uh, and Richie Incognito just blew the whole plan up uh, in the face. And it hurt that team, or the, that, that, that group. But you know what? They survived. So did the Raiders. They won 10 games. They went to the playoffs. And that group now has a bunch of experience that they wouldn't have already gotten, wouldn't have gotten last year without those injuries. And I think that they're going to be better off for it. It'll be interesting to see what the competition looks like. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B, from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.